Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Food, Sex, Politics. I'm Nicole Rodriguez. I'm here with none other than... Dave Shirotsky, the food porn unicorn. Yeah, baby. What's on, up, darling? On a food fetish Friday Eve. Um, you know, Dave, I've asked you this before. It's kind of awkward. Do you, do you have a work wife? So in finance, everybody's old. So no, I don't have a work wife. I would say I have a couple work moms or work stepmoms. All right. So like the way this is headed, we're like a month in. Right. Like, am I considered now I your, your work no, wife? Where, where, where would you say our relationship is at? I think we're in that work wife um, stage of the relationship. And so, so obviously, obviously, since it's four weeks in, the honeymoon's over and I'm bored. So, um, I'm bringing, I'm bringing someone in. Are you getting the itch? Is is that what we're doing? I'm I'm getting that four week itch as one does. (laughs) And, um, so tonight I'm going to bring someone in. If you don't mind, I don't want you to be intimidated. I'm bringing in, um, an artificial inseminator to sort of spice things up tonight. Are you cool with that? I, I I think we're overdue because I've been meaning to bring something like this up myself. Yeah. I, okay. Well, I'm glad we're on the same page. We're on the so. same page. I, okay. I, I think this will be good for us. I think this is this is only going to make us stronger going this, into. This is like therapy, is what. This is this is like therapy. So therapy. So so for any of you who like follow my other social, I'm obviously like really into beef. I'm a master of beef advocacy. That is a real thing. We're about to get really into beef. We're getting really, really into beef. So without further ado, I am so thrilled. We have Brady Blackett on tonight. And welcome, Brady. Welcome, Brady. Thank you for Thank joining you. us. And uh, Brady, do you mind if I read your bio that I have handy here? Go for it. Shoot. Oh, my goodness. I love this so much. Okay. As a fourth-generation cattleman, Brady Blackett was raised in a saddle, riding the wide-open deserts of south-central Utah, dreaming of being a rancher. His love for the beef industry was kindled around the age of five when his grandfather gifted him his first cow. From that point, he was hooked. At age 16, he emptied his savings account and with a little persuasion, convinced his father to let him take the truck and trailer 300 miles north to Idaho, where he purchased his first purebred Angus cattle. Later that winter, he convinced his dad that artificial insemination was something the family's herd needed to implement into its breeding program and enrolled in a class offered through ABS Global. Since then, he's been raising registered Angus cattle that he and other local breeders market through the IGA bull sale, of which he is a founding partner. One of Brady's favorite things about the beef industry is observing the herd, picking out weakness, and finding genetics to improve the overall quality of the family's herd. Brady's greatest pride, however, is his family. When he's not at work making commercial loans or tending to the cattle, he and his wife keep busy chasing three very active kids between football games, wrestling tournaments, soccer games, and dance recitals. I know this is true because I follow you on uh, Instagram. He loves being part of the 2% who work hard to feed America and takes great satisfaction in putting protein on the plates of countless many through the beef the family produces. Love it, love it, love it. So, so Dave and I did a, uh, we did a, like a, just like a little bit of background research before having you on tonight. 
And something that I read is that like a cow can ejaculate once and it's like a hundred doses worth of insemination. Is this, is this factual? <laughs> let's, se let's separate that some myth from factual. Good leading. That is factual. That is factual. Wow. So let, let, let's back up just, just a minute. How do we get to the point of getting the cow semen? Full semen. Wow. This is the dirtiest job when it comes time to, uh, to test our breeding stock for fertility each spring. Um, that's the dirtiest job that's, uh, that's known to uh, a cattleman that, that raises bulls. Um, they, they literally probe these, these cattle. Um, I don't know how much detail you guys are ready for, but no, we're uh, ready. Oh, don't hold back. Oh, don't hold back. That, don't hold back. That, is a, that is a large probe. I would say it's probably four inches in diameter. And it, it is shoved right up that bull's ass. And uh, then it, it essentially uh, stimulates their prostate and forces an ejaculation when it's when they're probed when they're hit with a little dose of of juice Woo! and uh it causes them to ejaculate the vet collects Nicole, you want to try this and away we go they put it under a microscope and wow a little can swim dave four inch diameter i don't think you're ready for all that come on no i mean we're gonna have to gauge it up we're not gonna start with a four inch diameter. yeah Fuck that's you. that that's <laughs> That's a little much. So I mean, someone, I'm a gentleman. someone might know, hear that. Like rocket. Wow. <laughs> so so someone might hear that and say, "Oh my goodness, that sounds invasive, or it sounds violent, almost." But something I else. I doubt it. The cow probably loves it. Cow probably likes it, but <laughs> but what we've been reading is right, that like, does, does the cow leave, or does it like stay there for more? You know. Based on the sounds that they make when this happens, I don't know if it's uh, something that they are ready for more of or if that sound is saying, get that thing straight out of my ass. I don't know. <laughs> sometimes, Dave, sometimes you don't know. Mixed no, that's true. <laughs> blur lines, mixed signals, sometimes. Some things are just better left unknown. So, or left unsaid, yeah, for sure. Mysteries are met yet to, yeah, meant to remain mysteries, that's true. Oh my goodness. So, so if these, so if it were left to mother nature, let's say, what uh -huh. would this, what would this process look like? Cause my understanding is that it would be even quote unquote dirtier and more violent. And there'd be a lot of barriers to making this efficient for the industry. Can you speak to that a little bit? Wow. If this was left to mother nature. I don't even know how to answer that question, to be honest with you. Um, the only way I know how to fertility test a bull is uh, the way that our local vet does it. Um, otherwise, I'm not sure um, what Mother Nature might do. And I'm not sure that I would want to know what Mother Nature might do to, <laughs> to force this process upon a, a herd sire. Yeah, it might get uh, might get a little messy, right? It might get a tad bit messy. 
So what are, what are some of the reasons that you do AI in the first place? Um, you know, as someone who raises strictly Angus, what, what is the, what is the purpose? So let me, let me, let me just ask a lay question real quick. Why Angus? Why, why is, why is that the breed of choice? Good backup. So Angus, I'll answer that question first and then we'll go to the second question. So Angus is, the, the Angus Association, out of all breeds of cattle, have done, in my opinion, the best job at marketing their, prod, their product. Um, they have the Certified Angus Beef Program. Mm -hmm. um, they have been collecting data on everything from fertility to uh, growth genetics, such as weaning weights, yearling weights, uh, birth weights. Um, on into the final product, um, marbling, intermuscular fat, different things that they're able to test and gauge the quality of their product with. The Angus Association has literally been on the cutting edge of that technology and of gathering and collecting that data since um, as far back as I can, as, as far back as I know. Um, not only that, but that, that breed of cow is, it's just a good hardy cow. Um, you can literally raise them in any environment. Um, they're good mamas. Uh, they're going to get up after they have a baby and they're going to go to work on mothering that calf and making sure that calf gets taken care of, that it gets up and nurses. Um, and they're going to bring home a big, 600, 700 pound calf at the end of the summer that you can wean and, and uh, put to work in a feedlot that will eventually go on somebody's plate. So that's in a roundabout way, the reason for the Angus breed. So is that what separates the Angus breed from any other breed? That I would say is definitely what separates the Angus breed from a lot of other breeds is just the pure fact that, that that particular association has done such a phenomenal job at gathering and tracking and collecting data that now backed everything up as they say the proof's in the pudding right mm -hmm. so yeah I, it, it, it's becoming you know hybrid cattle are becoming more of a thing over you know over the last several years probably within the last decade they've always crossbred cattle for particular reasons to you know to gather different traits from other breeds and and mix those traits in with angus traits um but you know a purebred angus cow in my opinion you just can't go wrong with uh from what they're able to do in the pasture as far as their fertility um being able to produce a good quality calf each year and then rebreed the following season to what the consumer ends up purchasing, you know, at the supermarket. You just can't go wrong with, with the Angus breed. Now, is there a difference between Black Angus and Red Angus? You there is. <laughs> and essentially, <laughs> essentially, it is just the color of their hide. <laughs> There, when it comes to those two particular breeds of cattle, um, they produce very similar results um, as far as eye appeal goes and what they produce 
you know, in, in the retail environment as far as what's being put on someone's plate. Um, but the, the Red Angus Association, just like other breed associations, just have not done the extensive amount of work as the uh, Black Angus, American Angus Association has done in promoting um, their particular breed of cattle. Very interesting, because that is a very recognizable, I mean, it has, it has cachet to it, obviously, as, uh, as yeah. you know, people seek out that, that Angus. So how does, how does what you do sort of feed that consumer demand? Like walk us through a little bit about how, how you do what you do and it ends up as a better eating experience for that end consumer. Okay. So we, our family has been, like I mentioned in the bio, it's a, a fourth generation, fourth generation ranch. Um, we raise primarily, you know, black Angus cattle or cattle with black Angus genetics and background. I personally have my own herd of purebred registered Angus cattle that I raise and sell for seed stock to other ranchers. So what, what does that mean? What does that mean, seed stock? So essentially I'm selling, uh, I'm selling breeding cattle. I'm uh, personally, the cattle that I raise are being um, bred and raised to go to work on other ranches for breeding purposes. So the, the, uh, the bulls that I sell are being sold to other cattlemen, other ranchers that are using those in their herds. Um, to breed their cows too, and so then you're the a females. bovine pimp. I'm a bovine pimp. Yes. I hope you have a hat with a big feather. I love that. <laughs> yes, and, and uh, you know, you you asked you asked earlier a little bit about the artificial insemination uh, process, and it's yeah. interesting that you say that because you know we are talking about food, sex, and politics, correct? Indeed, it covers all three. Well, it covers all three. You know. Learning how to artificially inseminate cattle, you know, kept me out of a lot of trouble as a young lad because uh, <laughs> rather, rather than picking up uh, awesome. uh, the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition or other such magazines, I would pick up a magazine full of bulls and I would thumb through that and take a gander and, and look at each one and determine, hmm. Which one do I want to choose to buy semen out of to breed to my cow? <laughs> Nicole, didn't we have a plan to do that? Kind of like a um, like an Ashley Madison thing. There you go. It would be very. Is. This is a very similar it's, concept. It's a good thing. Yeah. So that's the process. Uh, you know, a lot of times you don't visually observe these these bulls in person, right? It's all. You know, in the beginning, when I first started doing this, you went off of pictures and you went off of a short little bio. That was, oh, so is this like, it's like a mail order bride? Like, into a website yeah. and I, I see them? Oh, yeah. I mean, now that with the advances of technology, I mean, now they've got short videos on the bolts so you can watch them actually move and walk. Um, wow. It's, it's advanced. It's highly, you know, you can jump online now and, and uh, pull do a sire search on ABS. So if you're looking right now, if you logged into cow.com, what are you looking for? So right now, 
you know, I'm looking for, you know, it depends on where my herd's at, right? Um, okay. So I, I will take um, a particular trait that I want to improve in my cows. So let's say that I want to improve the weaning weights in my calves. So I will particularly look for bulls that have the ability to produce calves that are known for higher weaning weights. And this is where the Angus Association has done a phenomenal job. They have uh, what's called an EPD or expected progeny differences. Um, it's just a measure of what you can expect out of each particular sire, okay? Um, and it's measured in, in a number. So, for example, if the breed average for weaning weight is plus 45, and you are wanting to improve the weaning weight on your calves, you want to look for bulls who have an EPD that is higher than plus 45. So I would look for a bull that has perhaps a plus 60. And what that indicates is that that particular sire's progeny should, on average, wean 15 pounds higher than the breed average. And so you look for those particular kinds of traits. I personally look at individual records as well. Um, sometimes a bull might have a phenomenal set of EPDs and a phenomenal profile, but he may have only had a 500-pound personal individual weaning weight. So to me, that says something. I want I want a bull that not only has the, the EPDs to back it up, but I want to see his individual weaning weight be, you know, 750, 800 pounds. So, we are looking for two different things on Match.com. So, yes, we are. Is it, is it fair to say you're looking for a triple B, a big, beautiful bovine? Is that to make the... My wheels are spinning in my head. You know, I've never... I need to do a little research and see if there is such thing as like a triple B website out there that matches bulls with particular cow herds. I don't know that there is. Well, and maybe we, that's what you start doing. Well, this is, this is the new thing. Yeah. You're not busy enough. This is what, this is going to be your next venture, obviously. I think so. I think we're so. on. Something. I think that's, I think that's accurate. So what's, what's like the worst, what's your worst day on the job? What's the worst thing that's ever happened to you, you know, during? Uh, so probably the hardest, most difficult times on a ranch is calving season. Um, what is that? So calving season is when the mama cows are having their babies. Um, and this, this, the hormones, am I right? What's that? The hormones, am I right? Oh, that's where the hormones are going, baby. <laughs> but uh, so this for us, on our particular setup, we, we, uh, we begin calving our cows um, the first week in January, and that typically runs for 45 days. Um, because we artificially inseminate our cows, uh, we'll typically have a large majority, typically anywhere from uh, 
60 to 75% of our baby calves are going to be born within a week of each other. That's another reason for artificial insemination. We can synchronize the estrus cycles of the mama cows so that they all come into heat within 48 hours of each other. Thus, we're able to shorten the gap on our calving season. And at the end of the year, it produces a more uniform set of calves when they're weaned because they were all born within a week or two of each other. Now, does that drive so, the bulls insane that there's a bunch of female cows well, all in heat? They freak out. We literally have uh, a pipe, a fence made of steel pipe that's about six feet high to keep them things in there because they they can sense when there's 50 head of cows in heat at the same time. They smell that in the air. and they All them hormones. Go, mm. Oh, they go crazy. They go crazy. They pace up and down the fence. They're beating the hell out of each other in the trail. I mean, it gets crazy during that time. Oh, like it. it sounds like a real meat market. Sorry, I had to. Oh, we got the dad jokes. Sorry. <laughs> it is definitely a meat market. <laughs> but the hardest part of the year, going back to your question, Nicole, is calving season because – you're literally going with sleepless nights because, you know, we're not inducing the labor on these cows. It's all natural. When they decide to go, they decide to go. And it's... Now, how long does the cow pregnancy last? Nine months. Oh, same. Okay. Oh, yep. Um, So they will, when they start calving... It gets a little crazy. We have a barn that we bring them into because it is, you know, winter time out in, out here in Utah when they're calving. And so we bring them into a barn and uh, we try to keep them separate. Um, but that can be difficult uh, when you've got, you know, 50 to 100 head of cows that are all trying to or beginning to calve about the same time. Um, it's very, you know, you have a lot of sleepless nights because, you're trying to make sure that the, that the cows are calving unassisted without problem, that they're able to get up, that they're taking care of their baby. Um, you want those baby calves to get that first little bit of mama's milk in them um, within the first, you know, eight to 10 hours of being born. Um, otherwise, their immune systems become weak and it just gets off to a rough start. So you spend a lot of time. Um, for two or three weeks on a ranch, at least a ranch of our size, you know, watching cows very closely, making sure those little babies are being born. So you're born. really in there, like you're really taking care of them. Do you like get attached to them? Do you name them? No, uh, no we don't name them. No, anything. they're not pets, bro. <laughs> we, put, we put ear tags in them to identify them with a number, but... You know, my daughter might name one occasionally, but uh, by the end of the summer, she's forgot which number that was, and, and she forgets that it's going to go and, and end up on someone's plate, so it's all good. I, I think the best quote I ever heard from a, a ranch kid, someone on a tour asked, like, oh, you know, how do you look at the... How do you look at the cows? Like, don't you love them and get attached? And he said... I don't see a pet. I see a steak on legs. Like, you <laughs> preach it, little fella. 
I love it. Oh, yes. Absolutely. They are not pets. So in the wintertime on a, on a ranch, you know, with that many cows in that close of quarters, you know, it can, it can get a little smelly, you know. Um, and my grandpa used to always tell me when I was a kid, we'd pull down to, to feed the cows in the wintertime, and I'd be like, oh, gosh, it stinks. And my grandpa would always say, smells like money, kid. That's, <laughs> that's a good point. That's like a good it. point. That's that's where the money's at. So that's right. So Dave and I came across this uh, study out of the United Kingdom today by a okay. sex toy company saying that farmers have more sex on average than people in any other profession. Is there something to that? Do you think? I can neither confirm nor deny the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Wise man. <laughs> I don't know if the truth of that is due to the fact that there. The study was also done by the uh, the farming association. So <laughs> <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny the truth of that, but it may have something to do. Brady's like fuck. They found my study. <laughs> Being around so many, so many animals that are cycling and in heat and that time of season, you know, it, there could be some truth to that. Mm. Wow. In the air. In the we air. Were, we were reading that it's, you know, the natural physicality of, you know, the work that you do and you're probably in better shape and that somehow feeds into it. Or maybe it's just being around a bunch of animals in heat all the time. That could be. It could fact. be that. You know, it may have something to do with uh, the physical side of the labor as well. You know, my uh, I work out at a gym with my, my brother, and I take my little boys, and, you know, they grab kettlebells and do farmer's carries, and I'm like, I've been doing freaking farmer's carries since I was like five with grain buckets. Yeah, kid, get on, get on the farm, kiddo. That's right. That's your work. Yeah, that's that's impressive to be in the gym and to be on – the ranch that's that's a lot happening there so how, how much time do you usually what's what's an average work day is it eight hours 10 hours 12 hours so our farm is not a full-time ranching operation um i wished it was that would be phenomenal that's always been my lifelong dream i worked on a ranch um up until i went to college and working full-time on a ranch is literally sun up to sundown oftentimes after the sun goes down on our particular operation um we are spending hours in the morning so anywhere from in the winter time so it's it's seasonal how much time you spend with the cattle tending the cattle so in the in in the winter time it's you're spending you know a couple of hours in the morning taking care of them making sure that the little baby calves are getting up in the cold weather, that they're nursing, uh, feeding the cows, and then going home and showering all the stink off and heading to work. I work for a bank and do commercial commercial real estate loans as a as I a just heard your voice person. die a little bit as you said that. <laughs> yeah, Part of your soul as you said that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, from, from, from 9 to 3, 9 to 4, my soul is lost and I die, and I'm dead. And then I come home from work and, you know, oftentimes you change your clothes and you go spend another two, three, four hours in the evening time taking care of the cows, making sure that the calves are healthy, 
Um, you know, again, that's in the winter time. In the springtime, um, that's when you're turning more of your time to to farming and putting crops up. Um, and that's again, you know, you're spending anywhere from you know four to six hours a day on the farm, um, irrigating, changing sprinklers, um, taking care of the farm while the cattle are turned out on pastures. And in what what, summer, are you, what are you growing in the farm? Um, so. Traditionally, on our family farm, we've grown corn, wheat, barley, and alfalfa. And do you do cover crops, too? We have. You know, cover crops work well. Anytime uh, we're going to plant a new field of alfalfa, um, we'll seed the alfalfa, but we'll also do a cover crop like uh, um, in, in, in our area, we'll do like barley or oats or something like that. Um, question. What, what is a cover crop? Yeah, I was going to say, let's explain. Can you explain a cover crop to Dave? Yeah. So the, co the cover crop is. I, I was listening it, for it, a little bit, acting like I knew what he was talking about, and I was hoping the conversation was just going to keep moving. Oh, you're good. <laughs> so a cover, a cover crop is essentially a crop that, you know, is going to grow a little quicker than the, than the main staple crop. Um, so, like, for example, it takes a while for a newly you know, a newly seeded field of alfalfa to take root and to grow before it can actually be harvested. So we'll plant the alfalfa and then we'll plant a, a cover crop of oats, for example, which will grow and be ready to, to harvest, you know, in a matter of eight weeks or 10 weeks. Um, and doing that just allows the alfalfa um, to grow and develop at a more rapid rate as well. Well, I appreciate you explaining that to Nicole. <laughs> so I, <laughs> Nicole I, already knew. I know she does. So I think something like a lot of people don't recognize about farmers and then like ranchers in particular, you guys are always getting, guys are always like getting the heat, right? From, from the media and, and whatnot. But you're like really stewards of the environment. And that's, that cover cropping is an example that doesn't really have a lot to do even with your herd, but doing that cover crop, it maintains soil nutrition and oh, it can, it can help retain water. Is that right? So you're like uh, taking care. Yeah. You are touching on, you know, deeper subjects when it comes to a cover crop is yes. It's where we come from, the wind blows out here in Utah, the wind blows. And so having that cover crop, definitely protects the soil, you know, maintains the soil nutrients, um, you know, allows it to absorb and hold the water. Um, so there's so much that can be said for a cover crop, like you just mentioned. Absolutely. If, if, if there's one misconception about the beef and ranching industry that you wish you could set straight, what would it, what would it be? What do you think is the biggest misconception out there about what you guys do? That we are, that we are wise, careful stewards of the land. I believe a lot of misconception out there that, uh, that ranchers, you know, that they don't take care of the land, that they view public land, you know, as a paycheck to them, that they don't take care of the public land. Um, for example, um, last summer, um, where we graze our cattle, there was, you know, crazy wildfires. That's the only way I can put it. 
um, we lost nearly half of our public land um, permit oh, where we run our cattle um, due to fire. Um, that particular part of the public land that we put our cattle on had not been grazed at that time. And so there was a ton of fuel that was, you know, easy to be burned. Where the cattle had, had grazed and where the cattle had been, it didn't burn. Um, and so my point being is that having those cattle on public lands on the forest, um, you know, they, th those cattle do a fine job in maintaining the pretty pristine forest because they, they graze a lot of the fuel that typically will burn in a wildfire. So it's creating better habitats for the wildlife and for people who love to get out and hike and enjoy nature. So if I was to be able to try and correct one misconception, it's that the cattlemen, that ranchers, that farmers, that we are wise stewards of the land. We love the land. Without the land, we don't have a living. I love it. That's, that's such, that's such a big one. Such a big one. I love it. So I've got a little, um, I've got a little like short lightning round. Dave, did you have any other semen questions? I always have semen questions. What man doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> Has there ever been a mishap with the semen? Expound upon your question there. Like, give me some some, some detail of, of what you're wanting to know. <laughs> what qualifies? So have you ever been inseminating a cow and it, like, kicked back and semen went everywhere? <laughs> I'm going to make some uh, insemination porn next spring and send to you, Dave. <laughs> You, you're leaving this podcast with a longer to-do list than you probably anticipated. So, uh, typically, when, when, the, when the semen is delivered to us, it is, uh, it's frozen, right? And it's put in a, a tank that's full of liquid nitrogen that keeps it frozen. And then we thaw it out, and then we put it in a little syringe. I hope not um, in your refrigerator. No, no. My wife would kill me if I put that stuff in my refrigerator. Yeah, I would fuck around every now and then and do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, it's not put in the refrigerator. So it's it's removed from the tank that's full of liquid nitrogen that's keeping that stuff frozen, and it's thawed and it is it, it has to be used immediately. Um, as soon as air enters the little straw that it's placed in, um, it ruins the semen. So you know, you're putting a little plastic sheath over the straw, putting it in a little syringe, and then you're literally sticking it down your own pants to keep it warm. Oh, boy. Until you're ready to breed that cow that's, uh, that's in heat. So it's, uh, it's quite the experience. So as far as mishaps go, um, yeah, there are some cows that are rather – they don't cooperate when it's time to be bred. I don't understand why. I'm thinking to myself, you should be, you should be ready for this, girl. Come on. Right, a handsome man like you coming up. Come on. Exactly. I'm like, I know you can't see me coming up, sneaking up from behind, but. <laughs> As you do. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it easier on you than that old bull over there in the trail. So settle down. <laughs> cooperate. 
Come on, so, girl. You should be ready for this. <laughs> so the, the only mishap that you typically have is uh, is uh, when you've got your, your help there and you're, you're uh, getting ready to inseminate the cow and, and he empties the straw before you're ready and, and you just wasted, you know, anywhere from 20 to 50 bucks, depending on how much that straw of semen cost you. Uh. Uh. Yep, yep. So, hate when I really blow a good semen that. straw. <laughs> it's terrible. It's, it's terrible. Just the worst. You're gonna be so mad next time my semen goes everywhere. Like ah, <laughs> it's twenty dollars. <laughs> Damn it! <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> I don't know if you've got good genetics, it could be worth sixty. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> his his kids are pretty cute. You might be onto something. No, that's true. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So next time you have a spillage, you know, you charge your wife. You're like, damn you, that's 60 bucks. That's Leave right. Right. I'm going to write Pornhub a bell. <laughs> awesome. Well, wow. I think this, this right, has sorry, been... Go ahead. I, I, I hijacked the lightning round. Go ahead. This, this has been very, uh, very informative. A lot of things that I didn't know, Dave. That you, I'm assuming you weren't unaware. Of. I don't think I knew any of this. Well, I'm uh, well, and now, now you know. I really have. I have two very important questions for Brady. Um, what is your favorite cut? I mean, I'm assuming that it would have to be Angus. But what is your go-to cut of beef? T-bone every time. Yeah, baby. Oh, hell yeah. How, how do you like it cooked? Ooh, medium rare. Good man. I love it. I love it with a little moo left in it. I hear you. Really, hundred percent. Get that good hard sear on the outside, all that red inside. Oh yeah, fucking dirty. Yeah. Th this is yeah. where the conversation gets really sexual. Obviously, when you're talking about a <laughs> rare T-bone. That's why I don't let you see the below the waist on here. It stops right there. I <laughs> <laughs> my design no one knows what's going on down there Nobody that's okay knows, I can tell you. <laughs> all right I've... Owe me 60 dollars in a minute this is this is why we need sponsorship dollars dave every time you every time you blow one of those quality semen tubes we're gonna need reimbursement <laughs> Or at least uh, like a good absorbing company that, well, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting deep. This episode brought to you by Bounty. Bounty. <laughs> Amazing. The quicker semen picker upper. <laughs> oh, Brady, I've got two burger questions for you. Do you go for a thick patty or a thin patty? Thick. Every time. Oh, thick every time. Oh, no exceptions. Thick for the I, feel like, I feel like you post some delicious looking thin patty, thin patties once in a while. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. has kind of been my go-to lately, um, and and they're kind of a thin patty place. Uh, but if I can get a good thick burger, all day, all day. And where are you going on the burger? Are you going eighty twenty? What? Are, where? Where are we at on the burger? Ooh. Yeah, eighty twenty. Eighty twenty. Is Beautiful. that even a question? You're not going less than that. No, no less than that. Not going leaner than that. No, thank you. No, no so, thank you. So, if you're going out to have that thick patty, 
uh, you know, any, anywhere that you've ever had a burger, what is your top go-to? What's the best burger you ever had? There's this little place in Payson, Utah. Oh, God. It's about 20 minutes away from where I'm at. It's called the Polar Queen. And they have the most juicy, delicious hamburger that I've ever sunk my teeth into. Now, are they a chain or is that just like a single spot or what? Little mom and pop, single single owner, one location. The P, yep. the polar, like polar bear clean? Yes, polar queen. Wow. With, We're going to have to make a field trip. That's. But lately, like I said, my go-to chain has been Mooya out here in Utah. Mooya. Mooya. I like yeah. I like this. I looked it up for you, for you, Nicole, and I don't. I don't think they have any out in, in your neck of the woods. Yeah, I, th there's been a couple of places you've posted, and then I've obviously immediately looked and followed them, and then my heart sank because I realized yeah. it was not, not you know Mississippi. Yeah, exactly. Just, you know, Tony distance. Burger is another good one out here in the West. Now, where are you at in and out? Is In and Out really that good? Is it overrated? What do you think? In and out is so overrated, in my opinion. Everybody goes crazy over In and Out. If I had to choose um, Shake Shack over In and Out any day, wow! You have an opportunity to try a Shake Shack burger. Is Shake Shack in New York? Yeah, and you know what? I had I had a sh I had the shake once and thought like meh, and just kind of never got around to the burger. But now. Uh, it's looking like I know what I'm doing tomorrow night, so yeah, there's there's that. I will rectify that. Maybe Shake Shack can sponsor. Situ could you imagine? <laughs> one sweet Dave, one sweet sweet day. One sweet day. See, Shake we're just Shack, and Shake Shack. We I think they just built maybe their second or third one. Like they're just coming to fill it. All right, we could go during Fancy too. We're gonna have to. Perfect. Well, guys, this has been, you know, a magical male-male-female three-way experience. Exceeded my expectations. I think we needed it. I think we, we needed it. Please. Dave and I will be the better for it. Good. I'm glad I could uh, rectify your work, your work uh, relationship. It's, it's, it's really I'm much glad appreciated. I add, glad I could add a little spice to it tonight. <laughs> I am going to put an electrode on my prostate later. <laughs> and with that. <laughs> that was my big takeaway. <laughs> uh, the more, hashtag the more you know. Guys, everyone, thank you for listening. Hope you tune in again next week. Until then, Nicole Rodriguez here and Dave Shrotsky signing off. Randy, thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. I enjoy listening to you guys. Much appreciated. Awesome. Talk to you all soon. Bye. Bye.